Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast. With me, Russell Guyver. No co-host Peter today. He's out getting drunk somewhere. Uh, well, at home somewhere. Um, and uh, But I have got somebody with me. It's Emilio. Actually, I don't know your, your surname, but Emilio Fulham fan. Welcome to the show, Emilio. Hi there, Russ. Thanks for inviting me here tonight. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it's good to good to be on the show. So you came on my on my podcast, the College Talk one. Uh, was about six weeks ago, I think it was. Now I can't remember. Yeah. Six seven weeks ago. Um, so you saw, that was that was an interesting discussion that we had with obviously the teams around the bottom of the table, all talking about their their thoughts about the team surviving or not. But yeah, lots happened a lot in that time. So uh, you've pushed on. We're sort of not stuttering a little bit. We're sort of. Still grinding out the draws here and there, but clearly we're not we're not winning enough games. So yeah, I'm looking forward to doing the show with you tonight, Russ. Yeah, yeah. The essence of which is um, to to do a, a relegation survival <laughs> run-in preview, as it were. We've, we're just coming off the back of the international break. This we're recording this on the Thursday, just before the weekend games resume in the Premier League. Um, so we had a little bit of a breather, a little bit of time, so the players. And we've got the final few games to go, roughly um, well, eight or nine, depending on which teams we're talking about. Um, and I think it's a good time to to really assess how we're looking in the run-in. Mm. The idea was also to get on possibly a West Brom fan. We did have Fred Vars, Andy, who might have joined us. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it. And I know West Brom's position is a bit precarious now. They're out, uh, well, they are 10 points adrift. So it may be a bit of a moot point having them on anyway at the moment. Rather more disappointingly, I've been trying to uh, get um, some Newcastle interest in this podcast as well. <laughs> and <laughs> you can probably tell from the giggles in the background from Emilio, we've had no luck at all. Nobody has taken us up on the offer of joining in with the show. Whether they were in fear of gloating, that's um, their downward turn and our upwardly mobile aspirations at the moment I don't know um I approached the podcast I think as a Gallagher something um true faith I approached um George Colkin who's a national level journalist no no reply from any of these guys a few others besides um which maybe speaks volumes from from their side of it I know they're basically not here to to put their view over but I think their lack of being here is maybe their view in its own <laughs> right um We'll, have, we'll get into the details of 
the table, the run-ins, what we think is going to happen um, in a short while. But first of all, Amelia, just to get your background, mm. so you're a Fulham fan of mm. a number of years. Tell us when it all started for you, where, where you're from and how you mm. got into it. Sure. OK, then. So, um, so yeah, I, I was born and bred in London, so I've got a come from Italian origin. Uh, my parents are both Italian, but I was born in literally five minutes, about two minutes walk from Chelsea's um, football stadium, Stamford Bridge. There's a hospital there that's been now upgraded to the Chelsea Westminster Hospital. So that's where I was born. And it was literally, um, I started following Fulham around 1979 um, when the club were, were in the second tier. We were in the second tier with, with our rivals, Chelsea. And it was always a, it was a safer place to go and play. I used to live between the two grounds, between 10 minutes walk from Fulham and then 10 minutes walk from the Chelsea's ground. And my dad used to take me for a few games. And um, it was always safer to go to Fulham than it was to Chelsea. That was obviously, that was a, right, the height of all the, um, all the thuggery that was going on, all the lot of violence at the grounds. It was too dangerous to go to uh, all the hooliganism at Chelsea. It was too dangerous to go there. So eventually, you know, started, started following the club actively from around 1980. So it's what, now 40, 40 so over 40 years now, I've been going to the club. I'm a regular season ticket holder. Um, you know, used to go a lot more away games in the past. Not so much these days, but you know, I've been what, 40 plus years now a supporter. So I've seen the club go through probably more downs than ups. You know, I've seen them languishing in the what 91st out of 92 teams back in the early 90s. And but you know, they they pushed on. You know, they had 13 good years in the Premier League. Few few last minute scraps. Our great escape season in the 2007-2008. Then we had Roy Hodgson come along, gave us some great memories. Europa League final. I was there in there in Hamburg as well. So yeah, it was, it was some. We've had some good moments. Now we've obviously got new ownership. Two relegations under their uh, regime. You know, potentially a third now. But you know they're, they're spending money. They, you know they're maybe not investing wisely at the club. But you know they're maybe they've learned their mistakes this season. But it might be a little bit too late. But you know, we've still got a bit of hope. Um, you know, love the club. I don't live. I live about. About five miles from the ground, so I still live pretty close. You know, I moved slightly away from Fulham, so but it's it's still in touching distance. And you know, it's they'll always be my my love. To be honest, of course, my wife's here listening in the background. But yeah, other than my wife, yeah, you know, Fulham Football Club are my love. You know, I've always I've always been a big big passion. I've been doing the Cottage Talk um, podcast with my colleague Russ Goldman, who originally set it up about ten years ago now. So um, so if you do want to listen in, do do check us out at, at Cottage Talk, and um, if you want to hear everything about Fulham. So you know, yeah, it's. Great, great enough. You know, we've got good, there's a good core fan base out of the club. You know, we've you know, we've been I've been sat at the same seat now what 15, 16, 17 years. So I've got a good camaraderie with all the people sit around me. Um, I miss miss that. You know, you miss that. I don't see the same watching these live games on television. It's not the same. I love being at the ground. You go there, have a bit of a chat, chin wag with your friends, colleagues, have a drink after the game. That's what it's all about. Not listening to all this fake applause on on television. I'm, I do struggle getting into watching these games on TV, whether you're winning or losing. It's, I do struggle, and I can't wait to go back. And hopefully, they'll allow us back into the stadium just in time for our relegation scrap decider against Newcastle on the last game of the season. So, uh, fingers crossed, yeah. government, please please let us have fans in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's going to be a contentious uh, issue if it does happen, isn't it? As seeing as it's a Mm. a probable six-pointer, as it were, or decider, potentially, mm. um, as such. Yeah. yeah. Just on the subject of the ground, I mean, um, first of all, whereabouts, are we, whereabouts is your season ticket in relation, say, for example, to the river or the, or the away stand? So I sit, I, fa- I face a river um, and I mm. face a new stand and literally on the, I sit on the edge of the penalty area as if Fulham were attacking the home end. So I've literally got a fairly good view. Mm. And I'm about halfway up the uh, the stand. So I've been there now. 17 years is we've always tried to move maybe slightly more central but it's it's not straightforward for half a dozen of you all to rebook or re- they say you have to wait for other seats to become available 
and then you apply rather than actually you can lift and drop your season ticket from one seat to another. So it's just been more convenient to stay where we are, to be honest. And um, we just keep, we keep in touch, you know, outside of um, during lockdown, we've, you know, the last 12 months, we're still speaking to each other, messaging each other. So we still keep in touch and we still got, got a little group to WhatsApp chats as well. So we just keep in touch, anything about football. So yeah, it's a bit of good fun really, to be honest, but yeah. And then there's obviously the new stand will be ready soon. So it's coming along quite nicely. And, uh, Hopefully we'll be still in the Premier League next season where fans can sit down and enjoy the new stadium. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. And it's always a good away day. I've been mm. talking about this with others. I mean, the, the whole thing with there, whether it's um, us, Newcastle, Fulham, whichever team it is, if it isn't us, um, we'll be disappointed to lose either from the, the point of yeah. the others and from the point of view of away days, because they're both good away days. Admittedly, Fulham's a cheaper away day for the fact that it's, uh, <laughs> yes. it's nearer, even though the pop prices are yes. substantially more. You'd still save money on the trains. Mm. But... um. In terms of the stadium, actually, just um, on that stand while we're on the subject, um, when is that due to be finished? Is it by the time we start the new season? Yeah, supposedly so. They're, I'm not hearing anything to say they're not going to be on track to complete. So it's really come up quite leaps and bounds the last few months. Um, so, yeah, it should all, should all be ready for the start of the new season. I'm not sure where the new season is due to start now because <clears throat> you've got the European Championship. Then you've got all these World Cup qualifiers. I mean, is it, when is it? When yeah, is it? I think, I think they've said the 14th of August for, okay, I think that's for the Premier League. Um, I don't know okay. if that's for everybody or not, but um, it, certainly if we're in the Prem, um, mm. yeah, 14th of August is the date they've stipulated, yeah. Whether okay. that's subject to change, I don't know. It but, should yeah, be ready. But, the stand should be ready by then. And what would that bring the attendance? Because that would increase the capacity, presumably. Would it? Yeah, by about another, just about another, just four and a half, five thousand more. So you should have just under thirty thousand spectators there. So, oh, brilliant! That's so good. Good, yeah. good. You know, good, it's good upgrade to the stand, and obviously they're creating other local facilities that give you access for the public to go behind the ground and go from one 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 bridge to the other. So that that they're obviously doing a community investment as well. So. Hmm. Fans in the area, local or local residents, will actually benefit from the club's investment in the stand as well. So you'd be able to walk along that river stretch, which at the moment you can't walk under the previous arrangement. You couldn't, could you? Yeah, exactly. Right. So that will give more, you know, more facilities to the neighbourhood, which is good. And yeah. they're, they're an important fabric of the community. You know, a lot of the way I see, a lot of people complain about the football when they live locally. I said, but you, you, the football ground's been there long before. These guys were born, so it's like it's not, it's not a surprise. The ground hasn't suddenly just popped up; it's been there, and you know it's not to everyone's liking. But it's obviously a very exclusive neighbourhood, and um, you know the people who live there traditionally, you know, buying the knowledge they've got the ground at their doorstep, but they've also got the local parts, which is important yeah. if you want to raise a family. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know the area, it's a beautiful area around there. Just nice residential areas. The stadium itself is a really attractive-looking mm. stadium on the approaches from the from the side, especially the main facade down on the roadside. Yes, uh, yes. you know it's, it's it's a very unique and I think aesthetically very pleasing stadium to look at. Obviously, you've got the the, the cottage itself uh, yes. as well as a, as a particularly unique point, mm. um, and I recommend it to anyone. It's a really nice ground, nice nice area to stroll around in. Mm. The parks, as you said, the river. And everything else, and as you said, I think I think that adds something. Being able to walk alongside the river, exactly. well, was there much opposition to the change? You know? Over the years, there had to be a few resubmission of plans, and some mm. some residents rejected them. But overall, it's a, it's a right thing for the for the community. The you know, the, if the club's successful, then the areas obviously there's a lot more optimism in the area. <clears throat> it yeah. keeps prices up. Businesses thrive as well. So you know, eateries, pubs, bars, etc. They all thrive if the club's doing well. So it's it's good you know, at the moment everyone's struggling because of covid etc but you know as soon as a, with that we go 
out of lockdown, back to a normal way of living, then and the club can stay in the Premier League, then hopefully all those local businesses will start to thrive. But yeah, it's you know, even when you go out, when there's no football, it's just you know, sometimes I drive used to drive down there from where I live now, even where I used to walk in the old days in the evening. I'd go for a little walk through the park. Dead silence. You just see all these little birds singing in the park and you've got the beautiful stadium. I'm being a little bit biased there. We've got a beautiful stadium, beautiful cottage there. And it's nearly 140 years old. So it's, uh, it's fantastic. So I'm, I am biased, but it's, uh, it is a nice, quaint little ground, you know, to be honest. And you know, I don't know many fans or clubs who don't like playing at Fulham. I think it's just got a lot of history there. Yeah, and we've had some Fulham fans on before, and they were saying to them on the previous episode. Then um, it's I think if I was a um, a Londoner inbound, so to speak, which I am, uh, I suppose, in a manner of speaking, um, but didn't have a club, I think Fulham would be right at the top of the list of clubs I would pick. I I know you wouldn't probably like this one, but Brentford being another club as well (laughs) is fairly attractive, just because they they seem like a decent bunch of fans, Mm. interesting area, interesting clubs. and not nothing too predictably obvious to go for as well. Not not one of the big boys because there's no fun in that to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yet Fulham's of a good size, a good good standing as well, and it's it's a great club. And um, we'll see how it pans out. Of course, we'll mm. discuss the details and what we think is going to happen in a moment. But just just going back to the early days, you, you mentioned so you've been a fan since '79, which coincidentally is um, the same <laughs> time I started supporting the Albion. Okay. So, so it's a nice. Um, a sort of a comparison there and mm. um, there's also there's something else a similarity in terms of um we've had quite a few connections through the years haven't we a number of but well players and manager as well mickey adams bobby zamora of course on yeah. the playing side significant in fact in your european run um i think yeah. he was quite a few at that time wasn't he yeah. big player um, big player for yeah. us you know divided opinion but you know i was a big fan mm. of it you know yeah he struggled in the first well, first few get a few couple two or three months but then he grew leaps and bounds he became a you know, a big strong player for us, and you know the, some of the goals, the quality of goals he scored. He was in that in that season. He got an England call up as well. And to be honest, if he was fit, if he was fit for the European Championships that year, I reckon he would have, you know, he would have got into. I think it was European Championship, World Cup, one of the two. He would have, um, he would have got into the team. But he picked up an injury. He wasn't one hundred percent fit in the Europa League final for us that year either. If he was, I think I, 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 I'm fir- I firmly believe we would have won that trophy. We would have won the trophy because. He was an important player, but he divided opinion, unfortunately, and it's disappointing. But I had a lot of time for him. I think we haven't really replaced him. I actually like we need the big players like that, intelligent players. Yeah, and actually, um, uh, our mutual <clears throat> friend, how, how we know each other, is through a guy called Rich Tipple, um, <clears throat> who is hoping to actually join us. But he's he's on a poker <laughs> night tonight. Everyone's busy tonight. Um, funnily enough, his brother, his elder brother, Simon, who's a listener to the show. Hi, Si, if you are listening. Okay. Um, he actually, well, I think it may be in the final, unless I'm mixing up with the semi-final, but he actually went along with some Fulham mates okay. on your European run. I think he might have actually been at the, at the final. He, he certainly oh, had okay, some okay. great away days. Know that. But for the lack of the Albion ever having <laughs> the European adventures, um, he just jumped on that um on that bandwagon for a bit with with his mates and uh, said mm. it was a brilliant time. Said really good bunch of fans, some fun mm. sing songs and all sorts. So happy days all around. But I remember um, a few years ago, it must have been about five six years ago, I think it was. You one of your club sponsors? It was it was a small local consultancy. I think it was FDM. I don't know if the it FDM. Who was it? Uh, it was a small consultancy. I got in. They, might be. Yeah. They did. A, they were doing a lot of business in the, in my line of work, and so I was using their services in 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 in. Fi- I work in financial services, so they did a lot of work for me, and they offered me um, tickets to go and watch games in in uh, 
executive suites with them. So I, I saw a lot of Brighton games in the Amex, in the new Amex stadium. And they had a really good time there on a few games. I saw you thrash Crystal Palace, your best, your rivals 3-0 in that game. <laughs> About six years ago, six, seven years ago, I think it must have been now. You know, right, we've got to invite you back down then for a, for a, a neutral. Uh, what yeah, was it was a 3-0 Sunday, Sunday lunchtime yeah. game, I remember right. That was one yeah, of, I went to about four or five games that season with them, but hey, I, was, I kept getting invited to the games and they were going to give me a season ticket. But then obviously, I don't know what happened then. I think they, either the con- they, think they didn't sponsor the club any further, but they, were, they had some, some local sponsorship and in the, in, they had their, their own box at the time. Yeah, and speaking of... Um, Connections with Brighton, closer to home, there's another connection you have with uh, the Brighton area, isn't there? Tell us about that. Yes, so my wife, so she's uh, she was born in Eastbourne, near Eastbourne. In, 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 so um, for her, Brighton was always her local club. So she obviously remembers the time when you guys got to the FA Cup final in the, in 83. Um, I remember that cup final. You know, you, you almost did it that year. It's, uh, it's, oh. um, but... But those are the glory days when you see the FA Cup when it had more significance than it does now, to be honest. But, but yes, yeah, she's, she's obviously from the area. She obviously she lives here in London with me, of course. But um, yeah, whenever she's not a football fan by any stretch of the imagination, but obviously there's a slight rivalry. Fulham play Brighton. She'll really want Brighton to win, but she wants Fulham to beat any other club. So uh, her ideal outcome, like mine, is both clubs stay up. But uh, yeah. yeah, but you know, so we were trying to get. A, a, a live video stream on the day when we, we played you at Craven Cottage and at your ground uh, this season. but couldn't find the, the, the technology to be able to do it. So it put itself on live camera and get other people to join in and watch the rivalry watching on television. So I tend to get a little bit, I like to observe the game. I'm one, I don't like speaking during a game. You know, people who know me well, I'm very, I observe, I look, I focus. I look at strategies. I'm, I'm technically very in the zone when it's football. I don't like oh. going into a pub and watching football because all you can hear is shouting, screaming, fans drinking. Whereas I actually want to concentrate on the game on, on the pitch. So, um, so yeah. So when I'm when I am watching, I'm talking to myself. You know, I'm, I'm hand signaling, doing the Italian stuff with the hands and all that. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's 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 a uh, what's the word? It's an experience if you come and watch football with me. And um, and there was an insight. I'll tell you one thing. It's another connection. Steve Sidwell. Another yes, connection. Another connection. But, mm-hmm. um, 2013, I think it was. And he got a red card in the game. It was around February time. So he had got a three-match ban. And I'd won tickets from a, from a competition to go to take someone else to a football game. So I gave up my normal season ticket seat. And I went to sit another part of the scene. I took my wife there. And Fulham played Arsenal that day. And that was Steve Sidwell's first game back after a three-match ban. And what happens after seven minutes? He got sent <laughs> off again. Straight red card. And I went, I don't believe it. So I then... Do what I do best, stand up, effing and blinding. You're a disgrace. Get out of this club. I never want to see you again. But these guys around me saying, calm down, calm down. No, not calming down. We, this, this, we needed to win this, this game. We could have won. We only lost 1-0 with 10 men for most of the game. But, yeah, I do tend to get a little bit emotional at times. I'm a little bit more calmer these days now. Excellent. Sounds very Italian. I like it. Yeah, very, very. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's plenty to get emotional about this season. If we steer the conversation onto mm. that next... Um, so obviously the run-in, we've, I mean, look at, look at the table, first of all. Mm. Um, Sheffield United, I think it's safe to say, are well yeah. and truly screwed. 29 games played, they're on 14 points. We mentioned about West Brom pretty much being down and mm. dusted as well. Now they've got 29 games played, 18 points. They're 10 adrift of Newcastle. So um, the goal difference isn't looking too pretty either. So that's, that's looking mm. pretty bad for them. It's really about what's what's going on above that. So we've got you currently in 18th with 26 points from 30 games. Newcastle on the 28th from 29. 
and we've got 32 from 29. Mm. We've also got Burnley, 33 from 29, and I guess you can't write off just purely in terms of the, mm. the numbers. Southampton, the same as well, 33 from mm. 29. And then Wolves, actually, only on 35 from 29, not doing amazingly well. No. Um, although, of course, we, we appreciate that those teams could still mathematically get mm. sucked in. It really does look like a three-horse race still to me at the moment, with us obviously being in pole position mm. at the moment in the Albion, but, um, but certainly not out of the woods. No. Um, so the, the way it's looking, um, obviously you, you've got the two points disadvantage. Mm. You have got a better goal difference already, which obviously mm. would not be um, reduced if you caught them up, um, Newcastle. Um, we've got the better goal difference than you, but that, that could potentially be assailable, couldn't it, as well? Mm. So, so where do you see looking at it? What's your hunch at the moment? on how things are going to pan out as a general overview. We'll get into the details in a minute. Your overall view as yeah. a hunch, and also to describe your season as well in, in the same kind of thing, okay. based on what's happened before, uh, as a, in a way of informing how you think it's going to go. Yeah, and I think about to go sort of reflect on the season so far, um, you know, obviously we obviously won the playoff final to get promoted, um, last year, so we had probably a disadvantage there that we didn't have enough time to go and make your signings, et cetera. So yeah. I think it was sort of like celebrating within within two or three weeks, we had to start a new season. So we traditionally aren't the quickest at making transfers in the summer. So, there's, you know, we learned, we made a mistake back in 2018 when we, when we got promoted last when massive investment, but unfortunately we bought individual players rather than dry, trying to buy in players who would play for the team. So the club didn't want to make those same mistakes, but obviously they were trying to negotiate a lot of loan signings, which we've, we've success, done successfully. But you know, we went, what, first four or five games looking dreadful defensively. We were absolutely all over the place. You know, Scott Parker, you know, wasn't a big fan when he when he got the job um, two plus years ago. But, you know, you've got to give you've got to give these guys a chance, to be honest. I mean, you know, it wasn't a buyer of his, but he got, a, he got the club promoted at the first attempt. What more, what more do we want? You know, I'd rather compromise on quality football and stay in the Premier League. That's my preference rather than some fans who prefer to watch a good attack in football and maybe risk getting relegated. So, but, you know, but you know, I've warmed to Scott Bog. I met him about 15 months ago at an event at Fulham Football Club, a private event there. And, you know, so I was speaking to him and he was telling me openly about his philosophy about football, how he likes to play football, passing from the back, very old school. And you've seen that, he's, tra- he's translated that on the pitch. So whether we're winning or losing, he's still trying to play football the way it traditionally should be. And unfortunately, it's that goes with its pros and cons. You know, he started with the, the promoted squad of players, back in September and we got caught out. We were getting hammered, you know, 3-0, 3-0. It just wasn't sustainable. Then signing started to drift, you know, drip, drip through. We made some good, good permanent signings, some good defensive signings. Clearly his philosophy is playing from the back. So no, no surprise to see that, you know, you, you reinforce at the back first. And we slowly started to play better football, more difficult to break down, more difficult to beat. But at the same time, we weren't scoring goals. So my biggest concern, I did say that before the season started, that not only have we got a problem defensively, but, I think we've got a problem scoring goals, and it's you know what you know. I was I hate to say I was right, but you know the club haven't invested in any any decent strikers at the moment, and we're paying a price. You know we've we've been competitive in games the last last three or four months since November December time, but haven't got the victories. Too many draws, games that we should have been two three nil up, close the game out. Thank you very much, but we're one nil up and we concede, or it's nil nil two. You know we've had more nil nil draws this season than we've had God knows how many over over the years. So. Um, but overall, we are where I thought we'd be. I'm not surprised to see we're in the you know we're in the bottom three. Um, not a surprise at all. But there's still time. There's still night. There's still what we've got eight games left. There's still some winnable games. I know I keep saying we have 
turn of the year, I said, as long as we win six games, we're fine. We've, we've won three. So we're halfway there and we've got to get three more wins out of eight. Not un, not impossible, but as long as we keep tied, we've got a little bit off the rails the last couple of games. You know, not surprisingly, we lost comprehensively against Man City. Um, but then against Leeds, we didn't turn up that couple of weeks ago. I thought we were very poor that day and I thought we deserved to lose. So let's put Leeds behind us and go to Aston Villa on Sunday where, you know, on, you know, on the day, each game is a cup final now. I think sometimes form goes out the window when you're fighting at the bottom. You just want to, you've got, you take each game as it comes and all you can do is do your best against the opposition in front of you. So, um, so yeah, so I'm not surprised we are where we are. I, I thought we'd finish 17th. So that's still achievable. And um, let's see what we can do with these eight games. Now there's winnable games there, but there've been winnable games in the last two, three months and we've not won. So that's, I think you've got to just take, treat each one as a cup final and hopefully um, pick up these three wins minimum that we need. Yeah, uh, in terms of the, the upcoming fixtures this weekend, um, we're all playing on um, the three teams we've focused on are all playing on the Sunday. Newcastle actually are playing immediately before you, aren't they? A five past two kickoff at home to Tottenham. Mm. So, of course, that, if, if that result doesn't go according to Geordie wishes, then that gives you the opportunity, of course, to, to get out of the bottom yes. three there and then on Sunday when you play your game. And then, of course, we're the... With the, the fourth one on the billing after Southampton Burnley is the early one, um, so they could be in a really bad position by the end of the weekend. Mm. I know that can work the other way as well. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. But I, I have to say, while the run-in isn't too dissimilar between any of the teams down there, there's, mm. there's nobody with a significantly tougher run-in. Um, you have to say that if Newcastle lost this, probably quite, I would say, pretty difficult fixture at the moment, given Tottenham have been mm. in better form recently. Um, they could be in some trouble if they've dropped yeah. into the bottom three, the psychological weight of that. Exactly. Um, exactly. Plus, hopefully we can pull off a, a surprise at Man United and get revenge for <laughs> the, the game earlier in the season, which was a ridiculous result, given all things considered. Um, then things could, could prove mm. quite interesting at an early stage. Yeah. Um, the way you were talking about your season, uh, there's a lot of similarities actually much, between yeah. our clubs, isn't there, in yeah. terms of too many exactly. draws. Games you haven't seen off um, conceding leads. Actually, we're, we're worse than you on that one. I know because they keep quoting it yes, off yeah, games. Exactly. Whenever we're, <laughs> we're winning a match, you see this, the, the caption come up, and sure enough, we add to it. Apart from recently, hmm. but um, yeah, giving giving away leads, not being able to see game games out, some game management issues, bits of concentration, hmm. and just not creating enough chances. Oh, sorry, not putting away enough of the chances yeah. we've created, and certainly feeling like we're, we're lacking of a striker. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's it's certainly true for both sides. Um, luckily, we've managed to get some goals together in the recent games. Yes. Um, yeah. Our more forward-minded players all scored in the uh, were on the pitch. Uh, scored mm. in the game against Newcastle, which was a, a big fillip for us. Um, yeah. Trossard's gone gone on to double that for Belgium. <laughs> what I think is his first start, competitive start for Belgium. Wow. I think, um, and he's he had a good debut. Oh, he had a good substitute appearance in the previous match. And okay, then okay. he scored two goals um, for Belgium in, albeit an 8-0 win, I think it was in the end, okay, okay, um, yeah. the night before last. But it, it's been, um, yeah, I mean, he, he seems to be coming into form and getting confidence, which has been certainly a major factor for us. Mm-hmm. Um, more pay even managing to yeah. get another goal at long last yeah. was, I think, possibly the most significant stat from the Newcastle game, the fact that he got on the score sheet. Okay. Hopefully it will, will help. So we are in a good place ourselves at the moment. We've got that bridge, the, the six points, and we've got the, the fact of we're four points with a better goal mm. difference as far as Newcastle. So we're, we're in a confident position. 
but we certainly aren't going to write off the possibility of getting back into trouble. Things can change quickly, can't they? Just as you yeah. said, teams are fighting at this stage of the season, and weird results can occur. It can exactly, and your fixtures, you know, you know, look at your fixtures. They're not you haven't got easy fixtures yet. You know, you've, you've got to play teams at the top who are still fighting for trying to get a top four finish. So they've still got something to play for as well. So that's going to be difficult for both of them. We've still got Chelsea, Arsenal and Man United away. But then there's other games such as Villa away, Wolves at home, Burnley at home, Southampton away, and I think it's Newcastle at home. So there's, you'd like to think if we can keep it tight, you know, and I think that, you know, we play from the back, you know, both our defences are very pretty strong. We've made some good shrewd signings defensively. But it's, the difference, I think, between yourselves and us is I think you create more chances. I, th- I think sometimes it's good build-up for us, but it's lacking that sort of quality ball into the box or that sat through ball, through you know, cutting through a defence. That's where we're lacking quality. I think we're sometimes a little bit predictable in terms of trying in the lead-up to, to you know, offensively. Sometimes we get, you know, you know, we just get caught out a little bit too easy. Our final ball isn't good enough. Yes, we're, we're, we're sometimes somewhat wasteful, but most of the wasteful opportunities are from positions where you're not expected to score because I think you're, you're you've been more guilty of missing more guilty chances than we have because you're you're creating a bit more and I think Lookman for example very quick you know he's become he's been found out a little bit in the last two or three months you know he's you know, we've always had two plays up against him he's getting little space and he's that danger threat is no longer there and that's the thing where it's all there's opportunities you're looking positive you're sort of getting in good positions either the final ball lets you down or players agreed in trying to shoot from outside distance, but we're not creating enough six-yard box opportunities, I call them, where you've got a true striker who can bury them. That's a problem. And you know, if we're not creating enough chances, we haven't got enough quality through the middle of the park, then you know, even if we've got games that are winnable, if you're not creating enough chances, you're not going to win those games. Mm. And with, with regard to the fixtures, um, right. in terms of both our sides, I think we tend to struggle against sides that set up to defend, yes. that are hard to break down. Um, and so the fact that we've got fairly tricky looking fixtures mm. amongst ours isn't necessarily a problem. For example, the Man United game we've got on Sunday evening, mm. while it's a tough fixture because they're a good team when all said and done, um, they are a side that's going to be looking to, to mm. win the game. They're, yes. they're pushing for positions within the top four. Um, mm. Realistically, they're not going to win the title, but they, they're certainly looking to stay above mm. the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea and so on. Um, so they're going to come out and attack us and that actually suits us. We're a very good team when we've got space to work with. Mm. Um the weird thing about Newcastle, I think the reason we've done better against them than we have against other sides in the bottom third or bottom half mm-hmm. of the table is the fact that Newcastle don't seem to be solid and space-constricting in their yes, yeah. rear third of the field as much as the other sides do. And mm-hmm. even at an early stage in the game, as we analysed it after the match last time out, um, it was weirdly um, it was weirdly spacey. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. In the back line, we got in behind them a couple of times really early on with Moda, yes. um, who couldn't quite bury his chances. But he did against England, of course, last night <laughs> uh, for Poland. So it was good to see, given it didn't do any damage to him either, uh, from mm. my point of view. But um, uh, but yeah, I mean, Moda had a couple of early chances. Mm. We got in behind them so easily. It wasn't yeah. as if they were doing that element of the job well. And if we did have a Newcastle fan on tonight, which we don't, yeah. I'm sure what he would probably be saying or she would be saying is, that will be one of the key problems. That they're just yes. not really doing any of the elements well enough. They're not scoring enough goals, they would say, but they're also not keeping goals out. Exactly. And there's no real focus or pattern to their play, which no, was definitely evident when we played them and in both games. Um, yeah, and they turned and a corner a little bit. When was it? About about six weeks ago when, when mm. Callum Wilson started finding a bit of scoring form. I think they 
they beat New Southampton 3-2. Is it 3-1, 3-2? I think they beat New... That game, they could have scored a lot more. Uh, but Callum Wilson was dangerous that game. Then he, then he picked up a knock. And that's, to some extent, you've seen Newcastle struggling to create anything. There's no, there's no goal threat there. I'm touching wood that they don't, they don't beat Tottenham on, on, on Sunday. But, you know, they just look very, they look very poor, you know, deflated. Steve Bruce isn't, is, doesn't seem to be inspiring the team. Um, and they look, they look perilous. They look in the perilous position. But the weird thing is, we both win on Sunday and then you lose and suddenly you're back in it. That's a danger. Like to your mm. point, you can't take your foot off the gas. You can't assume that Fulham and Newcastle will both lose their fourth coming. I we both win, then suddenly we're knocking on the door again to you. So you're going to be what, three, two, three points behind you. So it's, then you'll be looking over your shoulders. But I think you've got enough there. I think you've got a you know, four point gap. Is it four point gap from us at the moment? Um, um, six, six, six points. Six, six, six yeah. points and a better goal difference. So I think you're in a, you know, and a game in hand as well, not forgetting. So I think you've got enough mm-hmm. then. You always thought Burnley might get sucked in. I can't see, you know, Burnley, you know, I know home fans means there's no home fans that you don't have that home advantage, but Burnley always find a way of grinding out results. And mm-hmm. that's a difference. You know, me, you know, serves in Brighton. I think when we needed to grind out results, we weren't doing that. But then you went into that sort of, you beat, what was it, uh, Leeds away, Liverpool away. Tottenham, yeah. you beat at home, so you won those three. I think it was three back-to-back games, and suddenly, look, it just pushed you, you know, elevated you up the table. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to get sucked into it, but I, th- I think you're safe now. I think I honestly think it's between Fulham and Newcastle, right? unless mm-hmm. Burnley or yourselves completely lose back-to-back games, and suddenly we both find a way to start winning again. I can't mm-hmm. see you getting sucked into it. Two more wins for you will be enough. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, looking earlier in the season. Um... The likes of Newcastle and our dear friends Crystal Palace. Sorry for swearing, guys. Um, they, you know, they, they're teams. You look at them and you think these these teams are terrible. They're having terrible, a really yeah, they bad are. game, yeah. and yet they've had this habit. Um, not just this season, actually. I think last season was the same of just plucking results out. Mm. They'll suddenly pluck a couple of results. I mean, they beat Leeds. Palace beat Leeds. I think it was four one. Yeah. You think, wow. I know Leeds are capable of anything in their games. Anything can happen, but. Palace aren't normally capable of knocking four goals against anyone. They're awful. Yeah. You know, they're awful. Yeah. And yet they seem, seem to do that. Yeah. And I think, um, I suppose to some degree, later in the season, we've managed to now do that. Those two spurts of games, the ones you just mm. listed just now, and then, of course, the two recent results we've just had. Um, but it's, ta- it's come quite late in the day, yeah. anxietingly inducing mm. um, sort of late in the day. Um, but I do think we've probably got enough. Um, looking at the sides above us, we mentioned Burnley and Southampton. It is only a point above where we are. But the reality is, I mean, for not only for us to overtake, but for, for Newcastle and Fulham to all overtake, mm. it just doesn't seem realistic with the, no. the number of games left. There's a couple of head-to-heads between any given side you yeah, list in yeah. that group as well. So the points are going to be dropped there. And as you said, Burnley, they, they have a slacker than average season in terms of it took them longer to really mm. get into yeah. their normal stride the normal stride being quite a middling yeah. scrappy yeah. get the points on a consistent basis here and there through the season always staying yeah. heads above water and they, their heads mm. were below water for a little bit yeah were but yeah, they, right. they turned it round i think early enough for it never to have been a major worry um while there, there, there is still a possibility, it just doesn't feel like they're the team to go down. Southampton, 
I think they've had some big trouble. They've they've gone in from a very good earlier part yeah, of the season yeah. into a major slump. Yeah. Um, as alarming, every bit as alarming as Newcastle's. The difference being, I think there's a, a little bit of a happier house there than there is at Newcastle. To yeah, start with. yeah, exactly, exactly. And obviously they've got more points, and there there is a bit more unity, I think, to that team, and there's there's a bit more potential. Um, more quality, more quality there. Yeah, yeah. Even without Ings, when he's not not available, they they they've got Adams. Adams is a better striker than Newcastle's second yeah, second yeah, option, yeah. for example. You know, yeah. after Wilson. Um, so I, I I do think well, we, well, we have to acknowledge it's possible. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see those sides getting dragged in. Brighton, I, I think we we still need to do some work to make sure it's still possible we could get sucked in. But um, as you said, there's the, the games are running out. The fact we've got um we've got the game in hand as well, which by the way is, uh, it's because I think um, the game's got realigned because of cup arrangements. So our game in hand now becomes the Sheffield United away game, which um, on the okay. one hand, they're dead and buried. So I don't never know if that's going to be good or bad, but they <laughs> relapse into it and, and become more of a threat that way. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that does give us a good, a good opportunity, doesn't it really? Your home, um, your home game against Sheffield United, I was watching that game live. You, you were awful that day. Terrible. We were, yeah. we were terrible, yeah. So and that, frustrating. And that, that triggered off a change in fortunes for you. I thought that game, you were, you were dying at that day. I, I honestly worried for you at that time. But then, mm. you know, you, you regrouped and uh, you've, been, yeah. you've then found a way of winning games, you know, and then you went through this consecutive winning streak and not conceding goals. Yeah. You know, at that point, you were sort of, te- you tended to like concede sloppy goals. You know, I don't know how Dan Byrne still gets game time is beyond me, but um, I don't know what what do Brighton fans think of him because he's a bit of an enigma. He didn't didn't really succeed at Fulham. He was you know his big lanky central defender. Yeah, yeah, another connection, of course, isn't it between yeah. clubs? Um, yeah, I mean mixed mixed views. I think he's done. He's he's excelled himself for, for his potential. I think he's done well. He has got flaws. They've been called out by a number of Brighton fans, and I don't think he's the perfect option. He's he's a good makeshift option. Mm. as a backup mm. um but he has got his flaws um obviously he's not particularly pacey um he's got a strange rangy sort of gait to him <laughs> hasn't he and all sorts yeah. of other elements i don't think he's great but i think he's all right i'm happy enough to have him as a squad member mm. um but yeah he's, he he divides opinion i think somewhat, mm. certainly. yeah well we've been joined in the waiting room by andy not he's going to be joining us for part two so we're going to take a quick break here when we come back We shall be with Andy as well. So stay tuned, guys. Back in just a moment. Okay, so welcome back to part two of this latest episode with me and Fulham fan Emilio. And we've been joined by Andy Knott. How are you, Andy? I'm good. I've got a glass of wine, so <laughs> all's well. well with the world. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. That's How have you been enjoying the international anyway. break? Sorry. How have you enjoyed the international break? Time to relax for a bit. Uh, time to largely avoid football, which is good. Actually, I've enjoyed it um, yeah. in part because I've had a lot of other things to do. But um, yeah, you can get over invested in it at times, mm. uh, uh, and I can especially um but i i'll on that i'll repeat something that i've said on here before um i think i think football has been uh a lifesaver during this lockdown Hmm. really given us something to invest in and 
in a sense, really, we need to thank the clubs and the organisations and so forth for providing that. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, well said. Good good point. It really, really is. A, it has been very important for a lot of people. It is, has been good that we had so much football on TV if you wanted mm. it. I love, a lot of people are saying they're saturated with it, and, and I'm one of those. I've mm. I've limited what exactly I watch because I you can watch too much. And actually, with live football, I do find that, depending on what the game's like, it can very often become quite boring, actually, watching mm. live games. Mm. Um, particularly on TV as opposed to in the stadium. Stadiums are usually engrossed in, in the way that you said uh, earlier in the, in the chat, Emilio, mm. getting involved, getting interested in the strategies and the, yeah, yeah. And the finer details of what's going on. You can't see that as much on no, TV, no, which no. doesn't help. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the internationals, yeah, I, I take a very casual uh, look at it. I, I've just watched one highlights program for each of the rounds of games. The one that's caught everyone's eye, of course, is the fact that our man Moda managed to score against England, uh, which probably means he'll get mentioned forevermore for the rest of the <laughs> season now in relation to that. However, England did still manage to win the game, so no harm done. Um, did you watch that game, by the way, Andy? I I, I kind of half watched the second half and um, my attention flicked up. Um, from looking at a computer screen, actually, um, looking at the internet um, at, at the times at which Moda w- was yeah. in action. Um, yeah. And, yeah, uh, uh, in, impressive. Um, you know, early signs are he looks like a good signing, but we, we don't want to overcommit in our assessment of him at this stage, but... Um, that hardly hinders his case, does it? Um, what he did yesterday. And um, we, we did mention earlier in the pod, um, Trossard, of course, getting a brace on his start for Belgium. Um, yeah, that, that first goal that I haven't seen the second goal, but the, the first goal, um, wonderful finish, um, but also a brilliant ball that he played actually to um, launch the move in into the um, opposition half. Um, yeah. And, you know, fingers crossed, Trossard's on form, scoring goals. (laughs) Um, His Mercurial player, um, you know, he hasn't done a great... I suppose he's been one of our most frustrating players. You may even say most disappointing players this season. Um, But when he's on it, he's one of our best players, isn't he? Yeah, and one of our most um, cheering thoughts is, is that form that he's been on. If he can carry it on the other side of this international break now, uh, particularly against Man United, where it's pretty much where he carved out his nickname of uh, Trossbar, uh, <laughs> was from that game, um, where he managed to keep hitting it. Um, hopefully he can keep his form going into that match and just get those balls a little bit lower when he's shooting at goal, um, as he has been doing recently, and then maybe we're, we're game on. Um, well, in the first half, we, we were talking about the, the run-in. Uh, we were talking about how Fulham have done this season, um, what we're thinking about Newcastle and how Brighton have done. Um, Andy, just to get your views on things, like we won't summarise Albion's season because we've done that before, but in terms of your, your any impressions you've had of Fulham and how you see things panning out as far as we can guess such things? If you don't mind, I'm going to take the second um, question first. Yeah which is um, 
uh, I don't know how you two have presented this, but um, I can't see either Sheffield United or West Brom um, challenging. I think they're they're down as good as down. I think they're something like two hundred to one on with the bookies to uh, to go down. Um, so uh, and you know beyond that, there's Newcastle, Fulham, and Brighton. Um, we may also factor in Burnley and Southampton because they're on 33 points. Um, Southampton are, are in a dire situation. The thing about those two teams is they they have um, not an easy run-in. There's no such thing in the Premier League, but a slightly favourable run-in. Um, uh, I would wouldn't be that concerned if I was a Burnley fan. Deitch can can manage to eke out points. Um, broadly, I've been very impressed with Southampton. <clears throat> they struggled with in- injuries um, in much the same way as Liverpool. I think I might have made this point. Um, <laughs> the compression of the season um, means that their high-intensity Gagan-pressing type game, um, I think, has caused them to suffer. And I, I think you can see the way in which the injuries have fallen to certain teams um, this season um, may well be a reflection um, of this compressed season. And, you know, it's it's all hindsight, but it looks as though um, Guardiola has played a blinder in terms of his squad management um, this yeah. season because obviously those top four teams or whatever play 60, 70 games in a season and when it's compressed. Yeah. Um, but that's also a reflection of the fact that they've got the best squad yeah. Um, yeah. in the Premier League. Um, uh, so... Broadly, I would be extremely surprised if um, certainly Burnley and probably Southampton as well um, get back in it, um, fall back into trouble. Um, And having said that, we are only one point behind those two teams. Um, And uh, you've said that I've been quite relaxed all along. Um, I mean, I, I wavered a little bit, but those those last two last two victories mm. um, puts us in a quite strong position, I would say, particularly because I'm still of the view that the required points total for survival um, will probably be pretty low this year, in line um, with what it has been for the last few seasons. Um, um so uh i think probably four more points for us mm. so long as we don't get tonked by city um mm. because at the moment we've got a favorable goal difference um i think last time i i was on and i i wonder if you have the stats for fulham on this Emilio. Because um, I suspect you're quite similar on this front. It's only in four games that um, there's been more than one goal mm. scoreline um, yeah. for for Brighton. 
and uh, two of them have gone for Brighton, two games against Newcastle, two okay. three wins, uh, and we played our worst game of the season against Leicester. We lost 3-0. Um, and then there's 4-2 against Everton where that, that was when they, they were kind of on fire. Mm. Um, so do you want, do you have that input? Because my impression is that you're pretty similar on that front. Yeah. Um, I think from our perspective, you know, we, I think, you know, we missed the home fans being there. So our home form has been dreadful this season. I think it's, you know, traditionally, You'd always expect your home form to to be good enough to keep you up, but you know we've gone to Anfield, Goodison Park, we've gone that we've beaten uh, the King Power Leicester. We've won these three tough games away from home, yet we struggled to beat the likes of no disrespect Brighton, Crystal Palace, you know Burnley. These are teams that we should be winning. You know we, I'd rather we win the games the teams around us than play the win against the top six teams. And in hindsight, if we were able to find a way of winning those games rather than the games against those teams, we, we wouldn't we would be in a much better position than we are. So, yep, we've won those games and we deserve to win those three games. But I'd rather have got nine points against Brighton, Burnley and, and Southampton. Those are the games I want to be winning, you know, and we've got a great away record. I think it's about seven or eight away games we haven't lost in a row. So we've got a very good good away record. Well, again, not winning, not winning many of those. So we've, we're, we're being competitive in games. We aren't getting thrashed. Aside from the Man City game, where we lost 3-0, and that was really just a 10-minute period in the second half where we just fell apart. You know, the other games we've been in it. You know, we, we were unlucky to lose 2-1 to Man United at home. Chelsea struggled to beat us 1-0 with, 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 when we played with 10 men for over an hour. So we're not getting hammered. Tottenham at home, we lost 1-0, but I thought we, we deserved a draw from that game. So again, it's a similar theme. It's not losing games that many, but the ones we are losing by the odd goal, if we had a bit more quality and better finishing, and, you know, then we might have a few more points on the board. But, but to your point, Andy, I, I still think we're doing three wins. That's, what, th- 35 points minimum, and maybe get a draw to get to 36. Three wins and a draw, I think, will be enough. But, you know, but the way I see it, it's, it's if we, I don't see Newcastle beating Tottenham, but they find a way of doing that, and we can beat Villa on Sunday, and you lose to Man United, you lose to Man United, then you're, back, you're, you're sort of back in it. The pressure then starts to go. I think you'll be then looking over your shoulders. Whereas all you need to do is easier said than done is win those win two more games, and you'll you'll be fine. You're, you're safe. I can't see Burnley and Southampton getting sucked in because I think, like you said, they've got a slightly easier running, and they've only really got to win what one game and maybe draw a game. Thirty-seven points is going to keep you up. So they're just in a bit. I think it's really Newcastle and Fulham, and unless you suddenly go through a, a massive slump of form, that's it. I can't see anyone else getting sucked in. Looking at it, I, for me, it feels as if it's in Fulham's hands in one sense. That um, I know that sounds a bit mad because you've played the extra game, but in terms of the fact that I, I think Newcastle won't get a great deal of points, and I think, it, as you said, three wins and a draw mm. or something around there would would be enough. I think. Um, I just look, look at Newcastle's fixtures. We've got we've mentioned they've got Spurs at home on um, Sunday. They've then got Burnley away, West Ham at home, and West Ham have been playing pretty well. Liverpool away, which I know we can probably say isn't as tough a fixture as it might have otherwise been, but seeing as we both got a win there. But, um, you know, the Liverpool are probably getting a little bit more settled back into their stride. Mm. They've had the benefit of the break a little bit as well, maybe, or some of their players have. Um, so that may not be as easy a fixture as it has been, mm. as you could argue cheekily, that yeah. for, yeah. for them and Brighton. They've then got Arsenal, which is a, is a difficult one to call. That's at home. They've got Leicester away. They've got Man City at home. So they haven't got that one out of the equation that we, we've mm. got to play them as well. Um, they have got Sheffield United at home and then you guys away. So mm. 
it's going to be a matter of, I think, if they've not pulled off any surprises by the time they play the Sheffield United game, mm. if they are cut adrift, I think that's going to be the problem for them there. Mm. Because mm. I, I think if it comes down to that final game at Craven Cottage, um, if you're in the box seat, um, either by goal difference or whether, mm. whether you've got a points advantage, if you're ahead of them and you only need the draw, I would feel confident that you will manage to achieve that because mm-hmm. I just think Newcastle are not, as we said it earlier, they don't really have a an area that they're particularly strong in. No. They, they mm-hmm. seem to have weaknesses in all aspects of their play. Mm-hmm. They can have good games, but if they need to win a match, I think that it's taken to the wire and they have to come at you. That's exactly, as we've said earlier, mm. the sort of teams, the sort of scenarios that you prefer to be in. Mm. Um, you can catch them on the break, you can exploit space in behind, etc. So in the end, it's going to come down to, if you're ahead going into that final game of the season, mm. in terms of you don't need to win, you don't need to, to win the game, I think then mm. that will be that. This is assuming we haven't collapsed, yeah. of course. And even if we're, as long as we're in, we're, I'm okay, I'm not, I'm not okay, but if, even if we, could still win the last game of the season and stay up, then I'm okay with that. I think it's, you know, I've got to be realistic here. You know, we've only so many games. I see the Sheffield United game that precedes the final one. I think you'd expect them to win that game. So we've got to make sure we've got enough points on the board to stay within that three-point gap, gap and presumably with a better goal difference as well. So so that means if we've got to beat them or no, not lose a game, I'm okay with that. I think it will probably go down to the wire, but... Um, but you never know. Things when you're playing cup finals every week, anything can happen. You know, you know, some, you know, you can suddenly find a vein of form that you weren't expecting, and you get a fluky win, a last-minute victory, whatever. They, they all count. You know, form goes out the window. You don't have to play well to find a way of winning, in my opinion. And yes, Newcastle. Yeah. I'm not going to get carried away that they're very poor. They were they were dismal against yourselves, and let's be very clear. But they they, they were dreadful. They were dreadful, them. dreadful. Yeah. But yeah. you know, they they've still got enough in there. To find a way of winning some of these games, that, that's that's. I don't like the fact that you have to keep relying on other teams to to keep losing. Mm-hmm. My philosophy is beat the teams in front of you, and who cares what the other teams are doing? You shouldn't have to keep looking over your shoulder. If you're doing that, then that's when you start to get into desperate measures, and that's why Scott Parker will be drilling his team. You got you got Aston Villa on Saturday, on Sunday. That's who you focus. Don't worry about what Newcastle are doing against Tottenham. All you're going to do is beat your opposition. Yeah, yeah because Newcastle played before you, but regardless yeah. of whatever happens in that result, you, that doesn't change the fact no. that you want to win the game exactly. anyway. Exactly. So it, should, it shouldn't really matter what the result is, uh, other than if they win, it puts mm. pressure on. But um, yeah, I mean, in terms of those up and coming fixtures, I mean, you've got Villa away, you've got um, Wolves at home and Arsenal away, the next three, aren't they? Um, I mean, they're, they're distinctly doable, aren't they? Those Each of those fixtures individually. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'd be surprised if you won all three, but I could see you winning any of those games and possibly a couple of them. Um, yeah, yeah. And that could that could make things interesting. That, that couple with the fact we've got to we've got the United game and we've got um, we've got Chelsea who we thanklessly mm. never it's a thankless toss. We get nothing out of uh, out of your friends from <laughs> the road at, at all, yeah. and we've got them at Stamford Bridge. We, well, we did, yeah, we had a draw at home, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, which was a good game, actually. Um, enjoyed that one. That's a point in seven games, sir. Yeah, a point <laughs> in seven. And we've got absolutely nothing at all. We haven't even got close at Stamford Bridge. Mm. Um, so that's a bit of a worry because that's one of the more um, shorter term mm. fixtures on, on the schedule. So and, and once, once. As well, we've got Everton as well. And... Yeah, which is at home, which we've got, we've got quite a good record there. But 
they are a better proposition you, at the moment. Are you trying to say that we've got a good record at home? Against Everton, we have. Oh, yeah. Okay. Not in general. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> and but, I, I fancy um, like running those next three fixtures. You know, I, I think the Villa away is easier than Wolves at home. Strangely, I think home and away doesn't count for anything. I think we we can go to Aston Villa and actually give them a run for their money. I think we can go there and possibly get a result. But then mm. home against Wolves, Wolves are a bit up and down this season. They're, they've been inconsistent. They aren't, they aren't firing all cylinders. If we had better home form, then I would say, yeah, they'll get two back-to-back victories and suddenly we're we're level pegging with you guys. But easier said than done. So, and, and I still fancy maybe going to Arsenal and getting a draw there. You know, we can maybe get a draw at Arsenal and... And as long as we get four points from the next three, that's that's our average of getting, you know, you know nine well, nine points in the, again three victories. I think that's that's four points towards that that, that deficit. And then there's still yeah. Southampton, Burnley, and Newcastle play. So get four points from the next three minimum. I'll be okay with that minimum. A win against Villa, maybe a draw against Arsenal or Wolves, and then you know then you've got like I said games where you can pick up another four or five points, and then it's just yeah. keep chipping away. Yeah. yeah um, do we know if Grealish will be fit? It's just going to come to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm I'm, not I do sure. think that makes a big difference. They've struggled without him, haven't they? Mm. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I think I slightly differ from you on that, Amelia. I, I, I think you probably stand more of a chance, irrespective of Grealish, um, more of a chance against Wolves than Villa. Mm. I think Wolves really struggled since uh, Jimenez got injured. Um, mm. Because as thrilling the player as Traore is, he's he's been hopeless without somebody to put across him. Mm. So, um, yeah. Uh, what can I say? Um, <laughs> I was asked about my overall view on um, relegation and Fulham. Um, it's a big moment to me, though. He's going to give his yeah. verdict. Are you going to survive? Are we going to survive? <laughs> um, I'm a little bit torn on this because my favourite away days are Newcastle and um, <laughs> Newcastle and Fulham. Okay. And we're only probably going to be able to have one of those next season, mm-hmm. aren't we? Mm-hmm. All of us will only be able to have one of those. Yeah next season um my my enormous concern for fulham is goal scoring mm. um uh, as as you say you need wins um uh um and that that's that's the thing um that i'll be really concerned about newcastle are in a terrible situation at the moment um but Callum Wilson, who has been involved in 60% of their goals this season, I think is more or less due back now. Mm. Um, and, yeah, he scores goals. Um, if I mean, uh, uh, what's what's his name? He's a Paragrine, like um, Almiron. Oh, well, Almiron. I mean, he was back against us, but he didn't look properly fit, but he's got a couple of weeks behind him. I, I think St. Maximan is, is due back. Mm. I, I do actually think that Newcastle aren't too bad defensively. Um, although I've just had a look. They, I think they've conceded 58 goals this season. 48 mm. goals 
It is 48 yeah. compared to uh, 38 for Fulham, 36 for us. Um, but um, I mean, at, at the moment, Fulham are running along points, 0.75 goals a game. Um, you're going to have to up that. Yeah. And, yeah. and, yeah. and I mean, I mean, your defensive organisation is brilliant. And pro- this, this is what I should say. I have actually seen quite a lot of Fulham. And I've been really impressed with you. Um, I, I, I think you really got hit in the first three or four games. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you've got, had lo- loads of loan signings come in. Yeah. Exactly. Hand, but, but, you know, um, they've been really well selected. Um, uh, and I, I just think you look so solid. Um, the goalkeeper is top, notch. top, top, top six goalkeeper, I'd yeah. say. I mean, he, he looks really, really good. Um, uh, um, yeah, the centre-backs. Um, I think I think Anguisa, um, lots of Fulham fans have been saying, well, earlier on was then was your player of the season. Mm. I, I haven't been over impressed with him. I, I think Harrison Reed looked looked really really better, good. Yeah, looked better. Yeah, um, I've been a little bit disappointed with Loftus Cheek because he's mm. torn us apart before. Um, he really has. He really hasn't pushed on, has no, he? He hasn't. Um, You're right. Um, and I suppose ultimately, and it's an awful lot of a burden on. The guy's shoulders is the um, was matcher. Mm-hmm. Um, look, look at Mitrovic. You know, at the end of the day, he's he's, he's been in rich scoring form for for Serbia last yeah. week. So maybe that's a good timing for him. You know, you've got to you know he's in a hot you know hot vein of form. Put him on him against Aston Villa on um, on Sunday. You've got to play him when he's he's back. Found his confidence in front of goal for international. Scored some cracking goals. Play him. They've seen a couple of tweets. And posts on on social media from some of the other players saying you've scored five goals and you're still not playing. So obviously there's some digs to some of our players who've gone out on loan about what what else do you need to do to get into the starting eleven. So I I would like to see him start against Villa and use that confidence that he's suddenly generated from from internet from the international juice. So maybe that's come at the right time for him. And uh, but we have to see. To your point, Andy, you know we have to score goals. You know if you've got to score goals. Play the guys who are capable of scoring, you know, for better, for worse. Change your tactics slightly. You know, I think we have to change something. Otherwise, playing like this isn't giving you three points on a regular basis, five wins all season, and playing nice football. Something's not quite right. We have to we have to change it, mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I I I mean I I think you're right. I mean, my history of Brighton, I'm I'm relatively recent Brighton supporter. My history of Brighton Fulham games has been glorious, but there's been a notable exception, which was when you were last in the Premier League and we were two 0 up at half time, oh, yes. and then Mitrovic bullied Duffy and Dunk. Yeah, um, yeah. and which is the only thing. It's the only time we've seen that um, a player do that. Um, and I, I mean, I. I I wouldn't go quite as far as what you've just said there, Emilio, in terms of how how you how I'd want to use him. It's it's really about using him at strategic moments within a game, for instance. So 
uh, I can certainly see the value in that last game of the season that you have against mm. Newcastle, where um, especially if you need to win, then yeah. you need to change the way that you play and you need to launch the ball in, in into him and um, he can cause havoc. Mm. He really can. Yeah, against those tough-to-break-down teams, uh, I said, well, you might need to bully the defence a bit more. Maybe that's when it would be good to utilise them, I think. Mm. I agree with that, yeah. It's... Uh, it's certainly t- a tough one. I mean, one thing we should mention, actually, regarding Newcastle is, of course, Isaac Hayden got injured against the Albion and he's out for the season. That could be a key miss for them. Okay. Okay. Albeit, as, as you said, Andy, Wilson coming back in has the potential to be bad news. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure that Hayden is a crucial player for them. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, goals, goals are everything in the Premier League yeah. because, mm. as we know, we it's, it's a priceless ability which is why the the top players is not quite so much that they go for massive transfer fees but the wages that they demand and how that can unsettle the squad Mm. dynamics and so forth Um, for my view I think Fulham I'd have the potential of they could get broken away and it could could all get settled early that's obviously a possibility or fairly early but um I do think if that doesn't happen, and I don't think it will, then I think it's going to go close to the wire or right to the wire. Um, and for me, I think um, yeah, it is a tough task to actually get over the line, to get ahead of Newcastle, because you've got the two points and the game less. It is, it's still a lot of work to do, yeah. but I do think it's doable. Wilson is a worry, definitely. But yeah. um, but you look at the goal difference, you've got a better goal difference. And, and I always think goal difference is a good marker for how teams are doing patterns of yeah. pr- progress. And it's not looking good for Newcastle at the moment. They could turn it around, maybe, maybe not. But I do think it'll come down to whether whether Newcastle continue to struggle in this vein. And if you can, as Andy said, get these goals. I'm just thinking of two scenarios because I'm really torn as to whether they're going to survive or not. Fulham, Newcastle, I think I'm confident we'll be all right, but I'm not sure. Mm. Um, I'm sticking with my hunch, which is Newcastle, because that's what I put a bet on as a collective with the <laughs> current bottom two. So I'm going to stick with Newcastle as my prediction, um, but it's going to be tough. Um, two scenarios for you. Which one of these might you take? I noticed Sevilla's goalkeeper, and I think someone else as well, has scored a goal uh, from open play in the last week or two. Um, harking back to Jimmy Glass, I don't know if you remember him scoring a goal. Yes. It saved Carlisle, Carlisle it was, yeah. from relegation from the bottom division, which, as you alluded to earlier, you've been in that position yourself, mm. struggling near the bottom. So are we in the bottom tier. Something like that. Um, Ariola maybe coming out and scoring a goal against Newcastle, <laughs> but would that be something? The yeah. alternative I've got, also being rather naughty, particularly as they didn't want to have any representation on this podcast, Newcastle fans, what if former Sunderland striker Marja um, is the man that makes the telling difference? <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. And you know, I think you, when you joined our podcast uh, a few weeks ago, and Newcastle have always been a team I dislike with a vengeance. You know, I can't mm. stand Newcastle. A because it's just why does it? Why do fans think they've got a god divine right to be in the Premier League? You know, that you know them and Liverpool are my two most disliked teams in the world. I just can't stand <laughs> them and. Uh, to relegate them would give me absolute pleasure, to be honest. And we did relegate them when Alan Shearer was was in charge of Newcastle about 10, 12 years ago, whenever it was. You know, they lost. We, we beat them 1-0 at St. James's Park. They got, then we, we, we relegate them. Again, a lot of celebrations there. You know, at the end of the day, just, just, I just can't stand them. 
just because they haven't they haven't won a trophy in God knows how many years, 50 years. Why does that give you a right to be in the Premier League? So as far as I'm concerned, you have to earn your right to be in the Premier League, whether you're Brighton, Fulham, Man United, Newcastle. You deserve to be in the, in the league. You, you, you stay up. If you don't deserve it, you go down. It's just because you're a big club and got a big fan base doesn't mean you're, you have a right to be successful. Look at some of the German teams. Hamburg, didn't they get relegated for the first time ever two or three years ago? I think from the, from the, they haven't yeah. managed to get promoted again. And they've got to a European club final many years ago, didn't they? And um, you know, just because they, they hit the dizzy heights, they won the German league, that doesn't mean they, have, they should stay in the, in the Bundesliga. So it's the same for Newcastle. Just because you've got a big fan base, you have no god divine right to stay in the Premier League. So I don't. What would be nice is I don't want to. Look, I don't want to wait for the ninety third minute to, to sink them. But, uh, <laughs> all I want is as long as Newcastle get relegated, I'll be fine. Both, you know, we get to go to Brighton next season. You come down to us, and we we can do a podcast outside our grounds. Absolutely. Why not? We should. We should. Yeah, I'm good. looking forward to being able to or go out for beers in general, but also oh, yes, yes. get games and meet up with friends for, for matches. Mm. I, I mean, I, I have to say, just purely from a, from a selfish point of view, the fact Newcastle fans didn't come on, um, I want Fulham <laughs> to survive. Also because in post-COVID Britain, I can't afford too many long away trips. So it, if, if it's one or the other, it's I think Fulham, from a bunch of points point yeah. of view, it would take quite a bit of beer at more expensive prices for me to, to be out of pocket going to the Fulham versus Newcastle. Probably capable of achieving that, knowing my past record at away games. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it would take some effort. And I'd be happy to do that in a pub post and pre-match with you, Emilio. Okay, we've only met on online so far, so to speak. It'd be good to have, to have share a few beers and a few Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Next season in the Premier League, we'll, we'll make it happen. Absolutely. It would be good. It would be good. And let's hope that is the case. Um, yeah, I hope so. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go survival. I'm gonna say survival for Fulham and for Brighton, Newcastle mm-hmm. to go down. Um quick quick words. So are you gonna do it? Quick word on me there. What do you think? Um, it's gonna be tough. I think it will go right down to the wire. I worry about that Sheffield United Newcastle game, the penultimate game. So we have to have we have to be in touch and distance before that game. So i.e. We need to be ahead of Newcastle in the event they win that game. They may leapfrog us for that. So it's yeah. it's nip and tuck. It's all nip and tuck. But what's to say we both win our next two games each? And then you lose your... It, it's, Stop it, saying that. <laughs> no, I just think there's a more twisted turn in this league. You know, you won't go yeah. down because you've got to you, you've got to do what you need to do. Win your two games, you're safe. But you know, like we said, Burnley, Southampton, I think they're slight, they've got the advantage. They're five, there's a few points ahead of us. I can't see Newcastle or Fulham suddenly miraculously winning half their games. So they, we, we can we find three wins this season? Yes, we can. And I think we, I think we can do it. But it will be bloody tight. Excuse my French. Mm-hmm. It, it will be right down to the wire. And uh, let's see. You know, the best. You know, if we go down, then it's not because of the next nine games. That's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a realist here. You know, you look, you go down because you haven't been good enough over 38 games, not because of you've been poor for nine games. So it's. The, the, the worst team will go down. That's, that's, that's the realism in me. But I think we will do it. I think we can do it. But to your point, Andy, we need to start converting those chances and scoring more goals. Otherwise, for all your best endeavours in defence, you can't find nine draws out of nine. That's not going to be enough. Right. <laughs> so it's um, got to find a way of winning. Yeah. Final prediction for you, Andy. So Fulham, mm-hmm. Newcastle, Brighton or other? Um, who's, who's dropping? What? Note that this is a prediction. This is this isn't. Um, uh, there's no certainty behind any of this, and 
you know, I've I've already suggested that I don't think Burnley and Southampton uh, uh, will get dragged back to, back into it, but it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Mm. Um, He's going to say Fulham. <laughs> it, if I had to say one, I think I probably would say Fulham. Um, and I don't, I, don't, I don't think you deserve it. Mm. Um, in terms of this season, I'd, I'd say that Newcastle deserved to go down. Um, what, what I'm hoping for, for well, um, for, for Fulham, but also for excitement is that it does go down to the wire. It goes down to that last game. Because mm. um, that happens so rarely. Yeah, <laughs> in the Premier League, and I know it won't won't be great for your nerves <laughs> at all, Emilio. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be difficult. You know, we've you know we're used to be like, but you know, I take some heart that if we can, if we do go down. Then look at Norwich. Norwich is likely to go straight yeah. back again, and I don't think oh. Norwich have a particularly good squad. But look, they've they they know how to win. They're winning games. They're getting two points on average a, a game. So, but you know, if we do go down. Problem is, who do we retain? We've got all these loan signings. They're all going to want us. To be, they'll be snapped up by bigger clubs. The keeper, yeah. Anderson in defence. They're not going to stay in the, in the second tier. They're going to get snapped up by another Premier League team. So that's a frustration because if we can find a way of staying up. We will convert these players into permanent signings. Then we can push on, have a better start than we had this season. Then we can be more comfortable mid-table, you know, bottom half, rather than struggling and fighting for our lives all the time. So that's, that's the thing. It's easier said than done. We win these games, and I think there's optimism for the future. We lose, you know, you've got a lot of loan signings. We, we ha- we're not going to be able to do what Norwich did, retain yeah. the bulk of your squad and then push on from there. That's, that's going to be my worry. Yeah, that's, my that's worry. true. The, the player what? issue could be, could yeah. be tricky. Yeah. Um, on, I do think... Sorry, Andy. Yeah, on. yeah. On, on that front, um, my answer in terms of Brighton to this question is yes. Um, if you get relegated, do you keep your manager? Yeah. Yes, I would. Yeah, I would. I, I mean, I, I've been really impressed with him. Uh, you know, I was saying before on the first half of the show, I'm not. I wasn't his biggest fan when he when he got the job, but he got the club promoted at his first attempt in in the you know. So kudos to that. And you know, the philosophy of football is trying to do the right things. He just you know he didn't have the the players at the beginning of the season, hence why we got thumped week in week out. But we you know he's turned it around. It's taken time for the team to gel together, but. It's not his fault. We haven't got proven, you know, a striker who's able to score goals. But you know, it's I would keep him. You've got to persevere with him. He's young, keen, and you know, if he's, you know, let's give him invest in the club, and I think he can he can give us the best chance to get promoted. So even though I'm not his biggest fan still, I want to give him. You've got to give him a chance. Yeah, I was going to ask the same thing actually, Andy. So you, right. um, you're spot on there. No, no, that's fine. I'm glad you do because I mean, it, it shows that other people are thinking the same thing. That I, I think. He's done brilliantly, Scott, Scott Parker. He's, he's a likeable guy. You know, mm. you've got to love him. He, he looks like he's walked out of a clothing catalogue. I think I've said this on the podcast before. <laughs> yeah. He's got I mean, a street he's got vibe going on. He's got padded jackets, hasn't he? What <laughs> yeah, is that he, about? He has said he's, what, he likes what's his fashion. The, what's the cottage talk insight on the quilted padded jackets? Oh, or... yes. Uh, yes, he's got a lot of fun. But, again, it's... You know, a bit like yourselves, I think, when I said Richard Tipple, and, you know, he was about two months ago, he was banging on about, you know, your manager's got to go, not good enough. And suddenly I, I challenged him the other week saying, well, do you get rid of him now? You know, he's, he's got, you've got three back-to-back wins suddenly. 
he's the best thing since sliced bread. So two, two, two back to back wins. Is it two or is it three? Is it no, two? not three. Two? Okay, uh, but you went through that period when you beat, was it Leeds? Oh, in the Liverpool. Oh, yeah, yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool. Tottenham, Tottenham yeah. you beat Tottenham as well. And um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so Liverpool. beginning of the season, fans were saying Parker's got to go, this and the other thing. Well, you, you can't keep sacking managers. You know, give him a, give him a chance. You know, give him a, and fans have started to, to turn and respect him. I said, whether we stay yeah. up or not, You've got to give him a chance to get, have a second crack at getting us re-promoted next yeah. season. So it's and it's, not, it's such a big gap to bridge, isn't it? And and he has given it a damn good go. Whatever happens, yeah, he's given yeah. it a really good go. Better than people were expecting, exactly. weren't they? Say so, so yeah, exactly. halfway through the season, even two thirds through, people yeah. were thinking, "Oh, this isn't going to work." And he's in with a shout. And if he carries on staying in with a shout, he's he's earned he's earned the right to give yeah, it a go, even I if agree. you do go down. I yeah, agree. Yeah. And um, whether whether he will will um, whether he will stay whether he will whether you will stay up we'll wait and see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one thing that we could all be happy on is none of us are going to have a record like Derby. He's getting relegated with eleven points. Apparently, twenty uh, ninth of March, which is three days uh, prior to the day we're recording this, was the day in which Derby's relegation was confirmed that season. Wow. So okay. that's pretty early going. Apparently Huddersfield, who obviously did get more points, um, I think they got relegated around about this time they in did, that didn't year. They? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was very early April. So so we're at least in a better position than that, whatever happens, <laughs> aren't we? And and as I said, if, if either of our sides do drop, I think we will stick with the managers in both cases. Mm. And I do think it will be to our benefit to do so. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. Okay, well Andy, thanks for joining me as usual, and, and thank you, Emilio, for making oh, your day you. on the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks um, for me. Absolutely. It's been great to have you on. Just to mention again, your po- your podcast and video cast is as well, isn't it? The yeah. YouTube is called Cottage Talk, isn't it? So people can yeah. find that on YouTube. Is that right? Yeah, on YouTube as well. So we recently went on YouTube about a month ago, so we're trying to get as many followers as possible. And follow us on Facebook and um, Twitter as well, please. So yeah, Excellent. Do, do, take, do listen in. Brilliant. Yes, yes. Check it out. They're, they're good guys and they're well worth a listen if you wanted to get the Fulham view. Um, meantime, we'll hope to get your views personally in the pub next time we meet. Um, <laughs> so let, let's fingers crossed for that one. In the meantime, thank you for joining us, guys. And I'll part in the usual way by saying stand or fall up the Albion. Okay, so I'm now joined by Sean Sorahan, who we had on, I think it was last season, uh, for the first time, to give the Manchester United view ahead of the big game on Sunday evening, 7.30 kickoff. Um, Sean, we um, haven't spoken to you this season, so welcome to the show. Um, how have you found this season under Ollie? It's been a bit up and down, hasn't it? Um, and, uh, at one point in January, we were all getting excited, thinking uh, we were actually in a title challenge. And uh, then we had a number of poor results and City didn't stop winning. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of fallen away since then. But overall, I think it's, it's good progress. I um, was very disappointed losing to Leicester in the Cup. I thought that was uh, an opportunity for Ole to get some silverware for the first time. But he... Seems to put out a bit of a weakened side for some reason. 
It's yeah, a, that, yeah, that seemed very strange, didn't it? Given the fact that it seems highly unlikely you're going to do anything in the league, and you know, as you said, chance for silverware. I, I was surprised they put out such a weakened team, and Leicester are such a good team. I mean, they're just a point behind you in the table. Just says how close that was likely to be, even with a strong oh, yeah. team. So, yeah. yeah, they're very good, and they they played very well. They thoroughly deserved it. Um, just yeah. wish we'd had Bruno and Cavani on from the start. I guess. Yeah, he, he does make a little bit of a difference, doesn't he, Bruno? A little bit, yeah. United can't play without Bruno. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did, I did tell you guys, when when some of you are getting excited on the Sunday football WhatsApp group, I said, um, look, um, you're not going to win the title. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's it's the strength and depth, isn't it, apart from anything? And, yeah, no, I mean, no, I mean I, none of us actually ever thought we were going to win the title. No, no. <laughs> exciting. Yeah, you had to, you had to stop the here. first about... time. I think we were briefly top under Mourinho um, near the start of the season once. But uh, yeah, since then, not been top of the league. So it was uh, exciting while it lasted for what, two weeks. Yeah. A chance, chance to wind up the Liverpool fans on our WhatsApp group as well, wasn't it? That's for sure. Yeah, primarily. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of the table, yeah, you're sitting second place, 14 behind... Man City, but with a game in hand as well. Um, a point out of Leicester, but probably most importantly for you guys, eight points clear of West Ham from same games played, which says that you're very likely to get in the Champions League. So, yeah, that was I a think, big win against West Ham a few weeks ago. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's your um, top four, really. Yeah, it does. It does speak of the fact that he has improved the team, hasn't he? And it's a work in progress, going in the right direction so far, uh, for sure. Um, one thing, hopefully, that's going to upset the apple carts will be the game, from our point of view anyway, will be the game on Sunday. Um, a bit of revenge to be had. I mean, you guys were all looking, despite a little bit of Mickey taking, we're also looking pretty sheepish when I met up with you the day after the last game. Um, oh, that was an outrageous result, you have to admit, don't you? <laughs> Tell us your view on that, sure. When you finish last Yeah, game. I mean, yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. You got you hit. Did Trossard hit the bar twice? Yeah, three was, times. I think it was three and, times, yeah, which is quite extraordinary. <laughs> and then, yeah, then United got a pen after the final whistle, which was a fantastic, thoroughly deserved victory. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that annoyed me, apart from everything about that game, <laughs> was also <laughs> is the fact that the media and the pundits kept going on about the final whistle element and how that was unlucky for us and actually that wasn't the issue despite it being a bizarre novelty that wasn't really the issue yeah. with the game um yeah I, that was correct that they could they could play it because the incident occurred before the final whistle that wasn't <laughs> the issue the issue was why the final whistle came so late in the first place was it even a corner i mean it definitely was a penalty once once the ball was in play and it went to Morpay's hand okay, um, yeah yeah so there's no there's no debate about that or indeed about the final whistle being brought back it was it was about when the final whistle went it was about other incidents in the game as well and obviously the bad luck as you said with the we I think we hit the frame of the, of the goal five times altogether um when I mean, Trossard specialized in it he's actually learned how to find the net now as well which is a nice novelty <laughs> in the last few games including for Belgium you might have seen him midweek um a couple of goals um so it's good that he's finally getting on uh, the mark. We have been in better form. We've won our last two games, deservedly as well, particularly the Newcastle game, albeit they were a very poor side. So we're not expecting we're not. anything like that. 
But in terms of this game, I mean, at the moment, the head-to-head is we've won three games against you. It was the previous three league games, actually, um, in which we got those wins prior to this season. We've had five draws and you've won the other 17. Is it going to go according to the majority stats, do you think, this one? I mean, what, how do you see it go? You've got the home advantage. We are traditionally dreadful at your place when we have played you there. Do you see any potential upsets given our recent form? Well, United have been far better at home, uh, um, away from home after the, over the past year. I think we're yeah. unbeaten since, is it January last year? Mm. Um, I think it's 29 games, something like that, in the league away from home, which is a bit odd, um, but seems to be a, a trend under this COVID time. Um, yeah. So it's very, it's very hard to know with United because every now and again they just turn up and play terribly, like against Sheffield United and West Brom. So we, yeah, we we like to drop points against the lesser sides such as Brighton. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cheeky smile. <laughs> Who knows? But. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the odds would suggest not given our record there. And I mean, you've, you've tended to get the better of us, not by luck or anything either, <laughs> unlike this season's home match. Um, it's been, you know, you have been the better side generally. And um, we're probably not expecting too much from this, given not so much how we're playing as, as much as how you guys are playing. Because I think we've been better away from home as well, actually, which is which is one thing in our favour, I suppose. But um, so have a lot of teams. Um but I, I do think that we play better against the better teams. You, I'm, I'm guessing you're still going to be coming out at us and giving it a go right from the off, I would imagine. Uh, the fans would expect nothing less. And I guess you've got to still chase that title all the time. It's still mathematically doable. Plus, you want to finish second anyway, don't you? If not second, third um, within that top four. So that would probably suit us. And um, We do like playing in the spaces, uh, not just counter-attacking, but in, in a more open game in general. We, we're much more suited to that. We've struggled against the Sheffield Uniteds and West Broms um, every bit as much as you randomly did uh, yourself. So I've got hope in the game, but I'm, I'm not expecting anything, neither from the game away at Chelsea that's coming up soon as well. But um, in, the main thing for us is, of course, we're, we've got ourselves into a very strong position for survival, which has proved to be a lot closer a, a scrape than we've been hoping or indeed expecting from the way we played this year. Six points clear, better goal difference than Fulham and particularly than Newcastle, who we're four clear of. Um, so we're in a good position. In a way, we can relax a little bit about this match, albeit we're playing after they are at the weekend. From your impressions of how we've done, do you see any risks for us in terms of the season um do we do we have any risk of any significant risk of sort of getting uh well in the bottom three well i think after after newcastle uh, when i saw that result oh that's good for rust we'll be safe now but um hmm. i mean also you're helped by the fact that two two of the three are definitely down already so yeah. there's only really one um Fulham seem to be in a bit better form than Newcastle at the moment, but I can't see both of them overtaking you, to be honest. So even though you're you're pretty close, I can't see both Fulham and Newcastle going on a fantastic run. So good, good. I would That's be very surprised if you got if you got dragged back into it. 
Yeah, yeah. Given that they do have to play each other on the final game of the season, by the way, as well. Oh, do they? Um, so if everything's dead and buried by then, tune into that one could be fun. Um, yeah. But I think that, I mean, all seriousness, um, that game could have already been played. That might not have been in the equation at this stage, but it is. So that does help us as well. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear you think we'll survive. I mean, it does look likely, but um, it's good to know that uh, from the outside view, you're thinking we'll be all right as well. Excellent. Well, Sean, we'll see how it goes. I wish you the very worst of luck on Saturday because you really are, uh, Sunday, sorry, because you really are, you really are owed some. <laughs> um, but um, my prediction is going to be a defeat. I think we'll run it fairly close because of the way we're playing, though. Um, I'm going to go for a 2 1 win to United. Any predictions before we get into it? I think United will score three. Three? That'd be unusual. One. Three, three one. one. Yeah. Yeah, we don't concede three often, but it's possible. Okay, three one. I'm going two one. Let's um, let's hope we're both wrong <laughs> in a good way for us. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Sean. Great. Cheers. See ya. Bye. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.